we have been in a series that I get the privilege of landing today called Women of Honor. And so we've looked in, in the Bible and we've found um, some women that we really felt were, were worthy of us to, to preach um, through scripture about their lives and some of the character that they um, demonstrated through their life. And so we, we preached on Mary, the mother of Jesus, and um, Vanessa preached on Esther, um, and Jessica Martell preached on Ruth. And this morning, I'm going to be preaching about Mary Magdalene. Uh, how many of you know some of Mary Magdalene's story in, in Scripture? And so Mary Magdalene was one of the early believers of Christ. She, she walked with Jesus, and, and she was a pretty significant person in Scripture because each of the four Gospels speak to us about Mary Magdalene's life. And so uh, she's in the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, the book of Luke, and the book of John. And so um, as, as a Holy Spirit-inspired Scripture, her story uh, manifested in each one of um, the disciples' writings. And so uh, I, 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 I want to bring a little bit of clarity about Mary Magdalene because um, there's, there's some, some tradition has confused who she was in Scripture, and, and it's because of the name of Mary. If you look in, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, there are a lot of Marys. It's kind of like most of our families. There's a lot of Marias. There's a lot of, like, there's, so you can get those things confused. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those mafia movies where they're all Pauls and Johns, and, you know, so you can confuse them. But there's Mary uh, Magdalene. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And there's also Mary of Bethany. And Mary of Bethany was, was the woman that we see washing the feet of Jesus in the New Testament. Um, we also see um, Mary and Martha, right, where, where Mary rested at the feet of Jesus while Ma Martha was busy working. And, um, and although sometimes some have believed that, that Mary Magdalene is the same Mary that washed Jesus' feet, there really isn't any scripture that directly tell us that that's, that's who she was. But the Mary Magdalene that we do see in the Bible that is spelled out, that's the Mary that I want to present to us today, where we are for sure knowing of who she is. And I think um, uh, her testimony, as is presented in, in the book of Luke, is, is, is awesome enough without all of the other ancillary, ancillary stories. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to start with verse 1. I'm going to read three verses um, and it's just an introduction to who Mary Magdalene is. So Luke chapter 8, if you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages. So Jesus had now started his ministry, right? He, he had called his disciples to come and follow him. And so 12 men are now following Jesus. And he begins his ministry around the area of Galilee. And he's preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. And this is something significant for us to note is as we want to be followers of Jesus, then as followers of Jesus, we should want to emulate who Jesus was and what Jesus said, what Jesus didn't say, what Jesus did and what Jesus didn't do. I think these are important things for us as followers of Jesus and and what's key here is we see that Jesus preached the gospel. Yes. And the gospel, the, 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 the definition or the working definition for us today is the good news. Look at your neighbor and say good news. Jesus preached good news. Yes. 
I don't know if you've ever seen people trying to preach about Jesus and it's sounding like bad news. But Jesus preached the good news. And the good news consisted of this. Salvation is here. Right? Salvation is available to those who believe in Jesus. Right? That's good news. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good news. Right? We, we should be able to receive. Jesus preached the good news. But I, we also see this thing here. It says, Jesus, Jesus preached the good news. But listen to this. About the kingdom. And where good news is, is, is the declaration of salvation coming in the person of Jesus, preaching the kingdom now puts a responsibility on the hearer of the good news to say, I receive the salvation of Christ. But understanding of the kingdom is receiving the lordship of Christ. Yeah. Of saying, Jesus, we recognize you as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, I choose to follow you. I choose to allow you to lead my life. This is what Jesus preached. He preached salvation and he preached lordship of the kingdom. And I think that's important for us to recognize. And he took his 12 disciples with him along with some women, say some women, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And so Jesus had followers with him. Men and women. And then scripture points out that some of these women had been cured of diseases. And listen to this, of evil spirits. And I love how scripture kind of brings things out that sometimes we'll just rewrite over. But I want us to recognize that Jesus had people following him who had come out of dark things. Maybe at one point in your life, you were walking in darkness. Maybe at one point in your life, you had been dabbling in things that were not godly. And I'm telling you, God has consistently invited those from, from the outside, even evil, evil spirit possessed, to come follow him. And listen to this. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Who was with them? Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene from whom, listen to this, friends, whom he had cast out seven demons. So you're sitting, you're like, you're really going to preach about a woman who had demons in her? We're going to absolutely preach about women who had demons in her. This woman had seven demons in her, and Jesus, she has an encounter with Jesus, and these demons are cast out of her, right? And then there's this, this, this other recognition of the rest of the women with Jesus, Verse 3, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, let me explain a little bit of that. Herod was the king who was sitting over the region of Palestine who actually tried to massacre Jesus as a child. You know, when Jesus was born, Herod sent out a decree that all male children would be killed under the age of three years old. This woman was Herod's secretary of state. And now she's following Jesus. This is, this is the caliber of people that Jesus has following him. And listen to this. It was, it was um, Susanna and many others who were, and I love this word, contributing. Can you say contributing? They were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. 
And so there was Jesus on his uh, ministry for three and a half years. Amongst them, amongst Jesus was his 12 original disciples who he called to follow him. And then there's these other people. There's women who were following him, formerly possessed women, women who used to sit in the courts of kings following Jesus, which means that Jesus was no respecter of persons. That Jesus will call who he wants to call, and if they choose to follow, he'll use who he wants to use. Isn't that amazing? So look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. There's hope for each and every one of us that God is wanting to use. Listen to me, friends. God is wanting to use you and I. You and I, and it doesn't matter what background we came from, whether the palace of a king or have being possessed by seven demons, God wants to use each and every one of us. But there's this phrase, just, can you just imagine this? Just imagine how, how the outside world looked at Mary, right? Can you imagine her life before Jesus? I mean, I'm not going to say that. If you can imagine a demon-possessed person, and what that might look like. Someone who is oppressed in the mind and has been overcome. And I'm not saying mental illness is demon possession. But you, 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 can, you can kind of understand what it feels like to be oppressed by demonic forces that overcome your mind, body, and spirit. And that was a condition that Mary Magdalene in. She wasn't possessed by a demon. She was possessed by seven demons. Can you imagine what this woman's life was like before she encountered Jesus? And can you imagine how she was known to the world around her? Can you imagine? It'd be like, like, like that person that you might know on the streets. You know, the guy that hangs around by 7-Eleven who asks for money every... Like, he recognizes by the condition of their life, right? Recognized by, 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 the, by their current oppression, This woman was recognized by her demon possession. You know, that crazy woman who has demons in her. This was Mary. This is, if if her life stopped with her encounter with Jesus, her headstone would say this, right? Amongst them were Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, you, you might know what it means to identify yourself with Jesus when you came to him, right? Do you remember what Jesus did for you? Do you remember your life before Jesus, right? Do you remember what, before you dedicated yourself to God and allowed him to begin to transform you, you were marked by something, right? You, you carried a label. And I don't know what your label was. I know what my labels were, right? Drug user, liar, you, you, you put it, you put whatever it was before Jesus, right? You were identified by the condition before Christ. And this was Mary. Before Christ, she was known as the woman with seven demons in her. But how many of you know that God wasn't done with her story? And the same is for you and I, that God is not done with our story. And Mary's story doesn't just stop there. Amongst them was Mary, the woman with seven demons, But man, there is so much more scripture about Mary. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 127. I I use it often in the life of our church because I really believe that God does something with people who choose to say yes to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 127 says this. Instead, God chose things that the world considers foolish. What does God choose? 
God chooses things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. Which means he can use a guy like me. I won't say person like you, because but you can say that to each other if you want. He could use a guy like you. Right? Larry, he could use a guy like us, bro. <laughs> God would use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You know what else it says? That God uses the powerless things, right? The powerless things of this world, right? To shame those who are powerful. That God will use who he wants to use, even a woman who's possessed by seven demons. Even a person who wants, you fill in the blank. God wants to continue to use things that the world considers unusable for his glory. Right? And you can say that to yourself. God wants to use my life for his glory. Because he does. He does. He wants to use your life for his glory. I, I, I see things in, in, in movies a lot. I like movies, so I watch a lot of movies. Um, and so I see things like on a reel. And so I, I think of Mary's life on a reel, right? Because, I mean, she, she doesn't have large portions of Scripture in the Bible, but she has these amazing highlights. And so if you can think of, like, a trailer. Have you ever seen the trailer for a movie? I mean, a trailer is designed to get you excited about seeing the movie. And in some trailers, they, they blow it because all the good parts are in the trailer. And then you go see the movie, and the movie's whack. Um, but, but, but for Mary's life, right, all these highlights about her life are so amazing. And so I just want to go through the highlights of, of her life, right? Christ delivered her from demon possession. Can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine a woman being possessed by demons, seven demons, and having an encounter with Christ, having an encounter with Jesus, and then being set free? Can you imagine what that looked like, right? I mean, I mean we love, like, rags to riches stories. How many of you have seen a movie like that? You're not pretty woman, but you rags to riches stories, right? With Annie, we love Annie, right? Where's this little girl? She's an orphan, and, she, and, and, and beautiful things happen to her, right? Can you imagine a woman being possessed by seven demons, and she has an encounter with Christ, and her life is transformed? This is Mary. This is Mary Magdalene. She, Christ delivered her from demon possession, and then she became a follower. Right. It wasn't just, oh, Jesus set me free from demon possessions. Thank you, Jesus. Have a nice life. I'm going to go live my life. She was impacted by her encounter with Jesus. What he did for her life changed her in such a way that she never wanted to experience life without him again. Do you identify that with at all? Or, Or do you identify with Jesus set me free? Now I'm free to live my life the way I want. Or is it Jesus has set me free. Now I choose to follow him. This was Mary's story. This was Mary's story. She chose to follow Jesus. She became a follower of Christ. She became a supporter of Christ's ministry. And this is important for us to note. She became, the word used in in Luke 8 is a contributor and, and, and I think we need to recognize this because in today's world, the way we approach God is like Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? You guys remember that? What have yeah. you done for me? Right? Yeah. And Katie's doing the dance already. And we become consumers in the kingdom of God. Right? Now, listen, I love 
the fact that my heavenly father is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God satisfies and provides all of my needs, and he does for you as well. He is Jehovah Jireh, meaning the God who provides, right? The children of Israel, while they were in Israel and they were homeless and they were looking for the promised land, he provided manna from the ground to, to support, uh, to give them sustenance. He provided a, a, a cloud of shade by day to keep them from the sun. And at night, a pillar of fire to keep them cool. I mean, to keep them heated in the cool of the night. This is what Jesus did. He is Jehovah Jireh. We get to go to God and say, God, I need this from you. Can you provide my needs? And you know what? He is faithful and he does it. But, but, but unfortunately, what has happened is we believe that that is the only element to our father. Many of us who are parents kind of knows what this feels like when your kids are always, give me, 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 dad, mom, give me, right? It's, it's kind of like, okay, I love you, so I'm going to provide for you. That's not, it's, it's, you know, I'm going to provide, I'm going to feed you and clothe you. I don't want you to go without. But at some point, right, you're going to need to start producing in this family. And I'm not talking about come up with money. I'm talking about, hey, you need to pitch in here. There's trash to be taken out. There's rooms to be cleaned. There's dogs to be picked up after. There's, you're right, you, you, there's an expectation for production to start happening, even from toddlers. You can give your toddlers roles and responsibilities and they'll, they'll learn, Right? But if we just keep giving and giving and giving, all we do is we, we, we create consumers who just suck it all up. And our biggest problem, this generation, my, my generation, for the generation coming after me, is they are the most entitled generation ever. And you know why? Because this is all we do. This is all we do. And we don't give them roles and responsibilities so that they learn, whoa, maybe I can earn that. Right? And, and here's the thing with God. Salvation was a free gift. It was a free gift for you and I that God gave to us and we, he provided freely. You don't have to pay for it. All you have to do is accept it. But here's the thing. Once you've now entered the salvation realm, now there's a responsibility to the king. And it's not to pay your dues. It's to follow. It's to follow the lordship of Christ. And this is what what Mary became. She became a contributor to the ministry of Jesus with her life and her resources. The Bible says resources. And I believe that means her time, her energy, yeah, and her money. She gave to the Lord because she believed in something. She believed in something. And I believe today we all want to make an impact. I mean, tell me, who doesn't want to, who doesn't, feel like a heart tug when when you go and pay at the register and they tell you, hey, do you want to donate a dollar to children's cancer? Of course I do. Like, I mean, you know, you get stuck like, oh, like, you know, you you don't want to be a schmuck. You're like, I want to, I want to help, right? But we approach God in the same way, right? Hey, do you want to be, you want to contribute to the kingdom of God? Whoa. I thought all this stuff was free. I thought we were in the free zone, right? I thought everything from Jesus, isn't God Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides all my needs? Like, you, now I got to give something back? And listen, you're not giving back because the king needs what you have. You're giving back out of a heart of gratitude. Yeah. I love when my kids do something 
because they just want to show their dad they love him. That's a great feeling. Same for us. We should be doing things for God just because we want to show him we love him. And this is what Mary did. Mary contributed with her life, right? And then she became this, this beautiful thing. And, and uh, we had these, these names for the women that we've talked about. And, and so, you know, um, Esther was the interceder. And, and Ruth was committed. And I, I, I believe for Mary Magdalene's life, Mary was a witness. She was a witness for Christ, right? And the qualifications of her witness are as follows. Number one, she witnessed in his ministry. She saw what Jesus did. She observed all of Jesus' life. She, she witnessed with her own eyes. Not only did she witness what Jesus did for her life, which should have been enough for her to sail into eternity. I mean, if you think about what Jesus has done for us personally, that should be enough. But you know what's awesome about God is he continues to do more. Look at your neighbor and tell, you, tell them there's more. There's more. Look, look at the world around us. Just think about it. God is not only doing things for you. He's doing for things for people outside of your life. But what happens for us is we begin to just look at our life and just like, what is God doing for me? And what is, what, you know, it, it becomes so self-focused that we don't ever lift our gaze to see what God is doing. And Mary saw all that Jesus did. She saw Jesus raise the dead. We sang that song, Glorious Day. He called my name and I ran out of that grave. That was Lazarus' story. Lazarus was dead and buried. Bodies already started to smell. And Jesus came and said, Lazarus, come forth. Called his name and Lazarus comes out of that tomb alive. She saw that. Mary saw Jesus feed the 5,000. She was a witness to all that Jesus has done. And it wasn't only her own testimony that got her to where she was. It was all that she observed. Are you looking at the world around you and seeing that God is capable of far more than just what he's doing in your life? She was so impacted by the ministry of Jesus that she became a woman who would resource his ministry. She went from being a consumer to being a producer. And I think that's amazing. She went from someone who just observed and became a woman who absorbed, right? And I think that's a big difference, right? To not just see, but a woman who took it all in, a woman who was able to experience all that Jesus is doing. Is that what, where you're at today? Are you absorbing all that Christ is doing around you? She was a witness in his ministry. She was also a witness in his suffering, and I think this is really significant about her life because I'm telling you today, we, we don't know what it means to suffer for our faith. I mean, we, we, if we really look at the first century church and what the first century church went through and we think about what we go through today, we, we don't know what it means to be persecuted. I mean, persecution for us is someone unfriends us because we say something about Jesus on Facebook. Or, or we don't get invited to the company party because, you know, like we're different. And they, they you know, they want to do their thing. And if you're there, they can't. Right? That, that's persecution for us, right? Or they cuss in front of us like, oh, sorry, I know you go to church. Right? Like, right, that, that's what persecution is today. We, we don't know what suffering is. Not for the kingdom, not for Jesus. Mary knew suffering. Mary was a witness to suffering. 
Mary Magdalene was on the foot of the cross. She was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was getting crucified. She stood there with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I don't know what that, that whole thing was like, but I got to imagine she was there standing with the mother of Jesus as, as she was suffering, watching her son die on the cross. And she was watching her Savior being tortured on the cross. She was, she was hearing Jesus' moans and cries. She heard Jesus when he spoke to John, the beloved, and said, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your new son. She observed it all. She was there when Jesus was on the cross and heard Jesus say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? She saw them beat Jesus. She saw them pierce his side. She saw them mock him. She stood there and watched it all. And where were all the other disciples? John the Beloved was the only one there. Peter, James, they were gone. The the, the other ten were gone. Judas was out preparing to hang himself. They were gone. They they ran. And here, Mary Magdalene, the witness of Jesus Christ, was there and witnessed every ounce of it. Every drop of blood, every tear, she stood there and she witnessed it. And I'm telling you, that's the character of, of 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 follower that's the character of child of God that God is wanting to develop in every saint today men and women who are able to stand in the face of suffering and say I will stand here for Jesus I will stand here in the darkness I will stand here when when all hell breaks loose I'm going to stand here and you know why Mary was able to do it because she had already experienced hell This is a woman who had been possessed by seven demons. This was a woman who who Satan tormented from the inside out. She had experienced hell. She had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And you know who was with her? Jesus. And so when Jesus was being slaughtered on the cross, she stood there and she said, I am going to stand and I'm going to witness this. And I'm telling you, friends, it's the same kind of commitment. Men and women of God need to take on today. We run at the first sight of pain. Our finances get funny and we run away from God. Our relationships get a little tense and we run away from God. Right? The church tells us, hey, you need to maybe straighten out this area in your life. And we're like, oh, you're not the boss of me. And then we run from God. Like we, 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 we wrestle with the things of God. And I'm telling you, if this is suffering... Gosh, we need to calibrate really what suffering is in our life. She was a witness to God's suffering. She saw Jesus take his last breath on the cross. When Joseph of Arimathea, the, 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 the rich convert who had come to, to, to Christ... went to the Roman authorities and said, please let me take the body of Christ. And he purchased a brand new tomb for himself, right? It's like buying a plot at Rose Hills. He bought this thing for himself and and, and he took the body of Jesus and he wrapped it in linen, a never before used tomb. And he placed the body of Jesus and he rolled the stone over that tomb to seal the dead body of Christ. And do you know who was there to watch it all? Mary Magdalene. 
Matthew chapter 27, verse 59, it reads like this. Joseph took the body and wrapped in a long sheet of clean linen cloth, and he placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. And then he rolled a great stone across the entrance, and then he left. And both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb. And you know what they were doing the whole time? They were watching. She was witnessing the burial of her Savior. And I don't know about you, but if you could just imagine, here now, the follower of Christ, she had been walking with Jesus for possibly three and a half years now. She had witnessed him heal people and preach the gospel. And she had witnessed him, his confrontations with all the religious leaders and just experienced all of his ministry. And then she had remembered that he said that he would be crucified. And he said that on the third day he would rise. And you know what? She wasn't going to be robbed of that. Everything that Jesus said, she believed. And she held on to those words. You know why? Because words are powerful. And she remembered when she had demons in her and Jesus came to her and said, be free now. Boom, by his word, it was done. And now she was holding on to these words that on the third day he was rise. So, of course, when he was placed in the tomb, where else would she be? But sitting right outside of that tomb, watching. How about you? What has Jesus proclaimed over your life? What, what promises has Jesus said about you? What things has Jesus been trying to draw out of your life and saying about your life, a more free life, Right? Free from sin, free from guilt and shame. What, what, what prophetic things has he spoken about your future, right? Your, your, whatever it could be. Are you holding on to those words with faith and just waiting with anticipation for God to come through? Because that's what Mary was doing. She was sitting outside of that tomb. He said three days. In three days, he would rise again. And she wasn't going to miss it. She was a witness to his ministry. She was a witness to his suffering. She was definitely going to be a witness to his victory. John chapter 20, if you guys want to turn there with me. Verse 11 reads like this. Mary was standing outside of the tomb and she was crying and she wept. And then she stooped and she looked in and and, and she saw two white robed angels. One sitting at the head and the other sitting at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. So she was outside of the tomb and she was weeping. And why was she weeping? Listen, no one had ever raised from the dead again on their own before. She was at the tomb. She saw the body placed in the tomb. She saw the, the, the stone be placed over the tomb. And now the stone had been rolled away. So she goes in to see Jesus. And I'm pretty sure she was expecting to see Jesus because he said on the third day he was rise. But guess what? He's not there. And of course she's human. And just like us, we're waiting for God to come through. We're waiting for God to come through. And then we go and look in the tomb. And it doesn't look the way we want it to look. And so she could have just said, I guess I believed in nothing. So she was overwhelmed with emotion. But God is faithful. Tell somebody God is faithful. God is faithful. And so the angels that were laying there, God's put angels, messengers there to tell her, dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her and she said this because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they put him. 
this is first century Palestine. She had never seen a sci-fi movie. I mean, we think we can play this stuff out in our mind. I mean, really? Can you imagine? The person you love the most in this life, dead, buried, God promising resurrection. You go into that tomb every day waiting for the resurrection. And then when the stones rolled away, he's not there. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. Listen, it was Jesus. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. That's funny. I mean, my gardener, his name's Jose, right? And I just cannot fathom mistaking Jose for the, the king of kings and the resurrected Lord, right? I mean, she, she thought he was the gardener. Have you ever mistaken an identity like that? I was telling first service, I was on duty. I, I, I served in the Marine Corps for a while, and I was on duty. And while I was serving, the commanding general of Marine Forces Pacific walks into the, into the office, and so when the commanding general walks in, most people's bodies get really tight and you stand at attention. So I'm working with this sergeant and this sergeant doesn't know who he is. So he goes to the sergeant and says, excuse me, do you know who I am? And the guy goes, uh, the facilities officer? Oh, my Lord. Jesus, do you know who I am? The gardener? The resurrected king that just speaks to to Mary's humanness, right? This is Jesus. It says, who are you looking for? And she she thought he was a gardener. She said, sir. She said, listen to this. Listen to still faith, faith. Even though she doesn't recognize who she's speaking to. If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. She was not going to be denied her savior. She was not going to be denied. And then Jesus does what any good good father does any good lord does right you know how when you don't recognize someone's voice and then they have to change the pitch of their voice so that you recognize it's them and he does this he goes mary that voice that she had heard so many times before that voice that she recognized that voice of intimacy that voice of tenderness her savior's voice jesus's voice he says Mary. And she turned to him and she cried out. Listen, she says, Rabboni. And it's not just rabbi, it's my sweet teacher. And she runs and she embraces him and she holds him right. She tries to, she tries to. And then Jesus, no, 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 no. You can't cling to me, right? You can't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Right? You're, 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 I'm no longer Jesus the man. I'm Jesus the resurrected king. He is now in his full deity. Right? Jesus God. And he says this. Go and find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father. Go to, uh, to my God and your God. Do you see the invitation? Do you see what Jesus has done? He he has now brought her into his inheritance, right? He has now brought her into this inheritance with him. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and says this, listen, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. And, And this thing makes Mary, listen, friends, 
the first witness of Jesus' resurrection. This woman who was possessed by seven demons at one point in her life. This woman who on her headstone, it could have been the woman who was possessed by seven demons. Was now Mary Magdalene, the woman who first saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. The woman who now has a revelation, I have seen God. I have, he has risen. We talk about all the great revelations, right? Isaiah says, I see the Lord who is seated on the throne. He is high and lifted up and full of glory. We talk about John, John the Beloved, his revelation of God. This is Mary Magdalene. I have seen the Lord. And God is wanting to make that transfer, friends. He's wanting you to, to no longer be identified as the person you once were, but being the person who has seen the Lord. No longer being the person who is identified by their past and identified by those conditions of your life before Christ, but now being identified by the person who has a revelation. I have seen the Lord. Have you seen the Lord? What have you witnessed? What have you witnessed? What has Christ done in your life? What, what has Christ done in the world around you that you can be a witness for? You know, uh, someone who is called to be a witness in the court of law, they're supposed to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help them God. And they're called to give what? A testimony. Mary had a testimony. And her testimony... The greatest part of her testimony wasn't about, hi, I'm Mary, the one who's possessed by seven demons. Hey, did you know that I was once possessed by seven demons? Do you remember, did I ever tell you about that time that I met Jesus and he cast seven demons out of me? Do you know what it's like to be possessed by seven demons? I do. And Jesus took them out of me. Can you imagine if that was her only story? Can you imagine what it would be like? It'd be like one of those guys in the bar or one of my, me and my Marine Corps friends when we get together. Yeah, you remember that time? Yeah, yeah. It's all the same stories over and over, regurgitated over and over. And I'm telling you, sometimes as children of God, all we do is identify with our past. All we do is identify with that, with that worst condition of our life that Jesus where Jesus encountered us. And that's the story we tell the world. Do you know that one time I was a sinner bound for hell? Do you know one time I was a sinner bound for hell? Do you know one time I was a sinner bound for hell? This world doesn't need to be reminded about their sin or about their ultimate destination. They need to be told the good news, and the good news is demonstrated through a transformed life. And a transformed life looks like this. I have seen the Lord. When's the last time that you've shared what you've seen with somebody? With your circle of friends, with, with your coworkers? When's the last time someone's looked at your life and you've been able to demonstrate, hey, I'm no longer John who did this, Jordan, who did this, Jamie, who lived like this. I'm not that person. I'm John who has seen the Lord. I'm Jamie who has seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord and I've been transformed ever since. I'm a witness 
for Christ. Mary's life was transformed by Jesus. And her message changed. Has your message changed? Has your proverbial stone plot message changed? Mary was once the woman possessed by seven demons. And now she was Mary, the woman who had seen the Lord. And you know, I wanted to point out this last thing on that verse, on that um, John 20, 18. Mary found the disciples and she said, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. She was no longer singing her message. She was declaring the message of God. 